Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude, Dude Guess, Guess What? what? fam it's episode 53 of the dude guess what podcast welcome everybody yay yay (laughs) dude i already told bridget this but i rolled my ankle about two hours ago and i am not a spring chicken anymore and (laughs) this has put me out (laughs) <laughs> literally Bridget Bridget calls me and she's like hey you ready to record and I was like I just sat down I had to crawl on my hands and knees to get to my bedroom because it hurts to walk y'all yeah I I'm sorry when was the last time you rolled your ankle I don't even know dude yeah it hurts this is the third time I have done this getting the mail not here, just in general. I did it once at Jenny's house. I did it once at our old townhouse. And now I've done it here. And it's been the same ankle all three times. Sounds like you and Jeff have a lot in common. <laughs> Roly bullies. <laughs> it's a Buckner trait. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when I um when I rolled my ankle at Jenny's house. I was getting the mail and I rolled off the side of the sidewalk and literally face planted into a pile of dirt. I feel like, like I remember this. Yeah, it was like off of a movie, dude. Like I face planted into a pile of dirt. And then the second time I did this was when Ryan and I were married and I was getting the mail, came and I was looking at the mail in my hands and I rolled over, I stepped on a crab apple and rolled my ankle. And now this time, I was also getting the mail, trying to figure out how I was going to carry all these packages and Robbie at the same time. So Ryan told me I'm banned from getting the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That's like me with, like, announcing anything on Instagram or Facebook. What do you mean? Oh, you're back from announcing stuff? Yeah. Mm. Uh. I don't remember what it was. I announced something and then like it didn't. Anthony's end. letter for his daughter for Boise. Well, yeah, that was one of them. And then I was get I announced something. Else. Oh, I got the dog. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then the dog fiasco. Yeah. Dog gate. So sad. Yeah. Okay. And other than hurting myself <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. Tell us what you've been up to, Lou. Dude, um, not a whole lot. The lady, I can't remember if I told this already, but we got Robbie's room, a wall in Robbie's room wallpaper. Did I say that already on the pod? I don't think so. I know that you, I think you, well, did you send, did you send the family a video or did you post it on Instagram? Must have been Instagram, but we got one of Robbie's room, one of the walls in Robbie's room wallpapered. And, um, there was like one little panel section that still needed to be done so it it came in today and so the lady came over and um and did the last panel and then she measured for the half bath that's downstairs we're on the main floor and we're gonna do some we're doing that black wallpaper dude oh you are going to yeah we're doing the black menagerie wallpaper oh awesome I thought that looked really really good I liked it 
Yeah. And that bathroom's going to get a little makeover. I got to pull out that thing off the wall, that mirror off the wall and put like a normal mirror on there and all that jazz. So. Nice. Nice. So anyway, that's, yeah, what we're doing. Um, What else? What else? Anything else? Have I done anything else? You guys went to Ephraim. Tell them about your Ephraim. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. Ephraim. We went down to Ephraim last weekend, you know, trying to like bring Robbie down to the grandparents, you know, do a good deed. And Robbie Saturday night just had a complete meltdown and um, was just screaming his little lungs off. And um, I gave him some Tylenol thinking it was because he's like maybe teething, but then he was like crying so hard. He was making his nose stuffy. And so we got him out of the pack and play. Like I wasn't just letting him scream and cry. Right. I was giving it time and then going in there and like consoling him and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we ended up leaving at like 1230 AM and got home about 145, two o'clock. And then we got up around seven the next day and went back down to Ephraim and spent the Sunday with Ryan's fam. And that was a tiring weekend. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't know what it was, dude, because when we got back to our house, Robbie went back to sleep. But the thing is, is like Robbie was in the slumber pod was over his pack and play. And he used to sleep in his pack and play like every day, like when we first moved in here. And at mom and dad's, he slept in a pack and play. Maybe it's just like a new area. I don't know. I don't know. It was a long weekend. So wait, you guys left at midnight. Like, did Robbie sleep in the car at all? For like 40 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Wondering. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, how was your week? Um, It was good. Anthony went to Kansas City. His dad flew over and um, Anthony went up to Kansas City with him and uh, my or sorry, my father-in-law and Austin. And um, they went to the NFL draft stuff and we had a good time. Um. I worked, we went to Austin's football game, and JD got this awful rash. Oh, baby. He still has it, dude. He still has it? Is the Benadryl helping or not at all? Well, it's it's definitely, so, so this is what happened, guys. We went to Austin's football game. I was playing with JD, like walking around with him, and it wasn't like he was necessarily like just playing in the grass. Um, but then like towards the end of the football game, he just wanted me to hold him. He did not want to get down. I like let him look at my phone to watch Thomas the train. Cause he was kind of getting um, like antsy, just like, yeah. And, uh, and he didn't want to watch it. Like he just held it in his hand and he just like put his head on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I'm like, I wonder if he just like didn't if he got bit, like if he, yeah, and he didn't feel good immediately, immediately. like didn't feel good anyway. Um, Anthony got home. I went and got my haircut, which is another part of this story. Um, I went and got my haircut, and Anthony, um, Anthony texts me. He's like, hey, I'm going to give JD Benadryl because um, he looks like he's having an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. And I 
didn't I don't I think he went to sleep when I was home but um when I got home from the hair the place but uh it just it was so bad like it was on both it's on both of his arms it's on his cheeks on his shoulders and his leg and um and so Anthony you know he was like well I think it could be this and he's like I I can write a prescription for it and send it in and um, I was like, let me, can, do you mind if I like call my mom? Cause I, she might be working and maybe she could ask a pediatrician there not to undermine. Like I fully know Anthony's in residency, but also like, like Anthony is a doctor, but also my mom knows more. <laughs> well, no, it's just different. Like I just like Anthony's still learning, you know? And, mm-hmm. and he like, I mean, the doctor was like, yeah, if it doesn't go away, like by, you know, the end of this week you probably should call on that prescription uh-huh. um but um and she was like that's but it was kind of just like that's like the thing too is like anthony sees really sick patients in the hospital uh-huh. where it's like it's to the point where they need the prescription does that yeah. make sense yeah and so um, the pediatrician was like, let's just have him take Benadryl. Like my, so my mom asked a pediatrician and actually the next night, one of the pediatricians that she works with called me and talked to me on the phone and was like, hey, she's like, there are only like five life-threatening rashes. Like this isn't one of them. She's like, it does. I mean, you do need to be keeping Benadryl around the clock. Uh-huh. Um and she was like, you probably want to meet with your pediatrician, but I haven't yet because I am wanting to switch my pediatrician. Anyway, um, but it's still, I mean, it looks better, but it's still there. It's just so weird. Like none of my boys have had a rash this bad and it's lasted this long. Uh-huh. So mom was saying, though, that the pediatrician told her, I guess, after she spoke to me that she's wondering if it's like a viral rash. Oh, huh. could be. I don't know what it would, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but um, which could have happened from a bug bite. Um. Anyway, so my other part of this story was I went to Supercuts and got my hair cut. Just like the fanciest of places. Okay, wait, is your haircut bad or what? No, my haircut isn't bad. I had an older lady though, like that. Like prob- she was experienced. She was experienced. Um, no, Austin got a lady, and I like still need to redo some of it. Oh, does Austin? Because <laughs> I know Austin's like pretty particular. No, he doesn't. He doesn't think anything of it. It's just like I. I would have to send you a photo, dude. Okay. And she must have been like new because. Two, like, I had to ask her, he got off of the chair, and I, because I was getting my haircut done as well at the same time. Uh-huh. And he got off of the chair, and, and I was like, can you actually go back and cut this shorter? Uh-huh. And I don't mean to be like one of those customers, but I was like, dude, I don't want to come in here in two weeks to get his hair recut. Like, uh-huh. um, but uh, anyway, so this is my question. Anthony was like, because um, I told him, I, I was like, do you notice this about Austin's hair? And he's like, yes. He's like, this is why you don't take them to supercuts. 
And I was like, okay, because Anthony goes to sports clips. He uh-huh. thinks that sports clips people, hairdressers, are better than supercuts people. I'm probably going to have to agree with him because they just do guys' haircuts. That's all they do. No, his reasoning is that, like, they're um, they're probably more experienced. I don't know. I got I, I got a shoulder shrug shoulder shrug from me. I I don't know if that's true or not. Like he just thinks that since like a lot of people go to sports clips, like guys, that that means that they need like better hairstylists. I think people who are going to sports clips probably aren't going for like a hairstyle. If they want a hairstylist, they're going to someone who's like a master haircutter. I don't know what the titles are. I think sports clips is probably like better that like four steps up from super cuts. Really? Yeah. So where should I go get my haircut? Not not sports clips. They don't do women's haircuts. <laughs> I'm like, can you actually make me look like a boy? You're like, like my husband, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You gotta you're gonna have to find someone who's doesn't who's not a super cuts this is like i went there last time i cut my hair like literally once a year mm-hmm. um, i've been dyeing my hair my mom has been dyeing my hair basically anytime i see her mm-hmm. so um, huh like once a quarter yeah and it's not because that i don't want to like not have somebody awesome do it it's just that like when you're in residency, you're not making mm-hmm. a ton of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's probably the average American's income. Would you say? Yes. But it's like any I just when you have two other kids, it's just things are expensive, right? So I'm not like spending my money on hair. Hair. Um, yeah, when 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 Anthony starts making the big bucks and you go get your haircut, you're gonna have a uh, sticker shock. So you like, like when you see the cost of something, you're like, what? You're gonna be like, a haircut that's more than ten dollars? Excuse me. Um. Anyway, but um, yeah, that was that was my hair hair fiasco. JD, he's you know dealing with his little rash. Um, you're dealing with your haircut. What? I want to see it. Pull it. I can't really see your hair. Let me see. How much did they take off? Like a half an inch? Three inches. Three whole inches off of your 40 inch hair. Mm. Yeah. It's long, dude. It's pretty. Yeah. Liz told me I like, was I on FaceTime with you? And yeah. I was like, oh. Do you want to say that again? I don't remember exactly what I said. So you're going to have to. It was like, look how long my hair is, dude. And she's like, oh, you're in your sister wife era or something. (laughs) Yeah, her hair is like touching her butt. Like next thing I know, she's going to have like those floofy bangs and like (laughs) I put her hair in a braid. (laughs) You're so mean. (laughs) I'm going to live at the point of the mountain. (laughs) Yeah, I live at the point of the mountain now, so <laughs> it's gonna be me who becomes a sister wife out of the two of us, just due to location. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that was funny. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Mm. Well, now she cut three whole inches off, so now she's back into the normal population. <laughs> yeah. Um. What was else I gonna say? Um. Finals this week. Finals this week. Bro, I thought you had book club tonight. No. I do have book club tonight. In forty or in 55 minutes it's at oh. nine. Oh, i thought it got done at nine no um no yeah count me out of book club if it starts at 8 p.m yeah well anyway so then um we're going over jessica simpson's memoir mm-hmm. open book oh, okay actually speaking of memoir sorry i actually just started stanley tucci's memoir do you mm-hmm. know who that is yes um, and it's pretty good. It's it's called, let me see what it's called. It's called Stanley Tucci, Taste, My Life Through Food. And I was like, a, a title of a book has never like resonated with me more. It's his memoir? Yeah. Oh. And it's basically him growing up like um, in an Italian household and like how food was like the central, central like uh, hub of their life type of thing thing and he like gives recipes and stuff like that and talks about his life anyway it's good um i actually saw something about him the other day it was something about essentially like uh roles that he wished he would have never have taken and one of them was um these are my lovely bones or what yeah he's the he's like the predator in it oh weird i don't think i've actually seen that movie Oh, it's so creepy. I mean, I, was, I read the book, so I. Yeah, I don't remember how old I was when I read that book, but right now I'm reading a book that Liz recommended. And it's called is it called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 15 hours on audiobook, which is that at normal speed or are you are you that's one point six five speed. OK. And then um, the first like 10 chapters were very hard for me to get through. But I also think it was because I was doing other things like things that didn't that I did need to concentrate on. And so I was like, what is going on? But then I mean, uh, I I had the same thing, too. And I told you there was a part that I had to like re-listen to because I was like, wait, what just happened? Like, because I I needed that's it was like integral to the storyline. Yeah. Anyway, Liz has my like interest peak because I texted her today and I was like, dude, I'm at this part of the story. And I was like, so is this like what's going on? And she was like, I can't tell you. Uh-huh. And then I was like, done, done, done. We're just like, I know the rest of the story. It's this way. And I'm like, is it or is it not? I can't wait to to see because I want to see if I'm right. And it is taking everything in me to not look up spoilers. Don't don't do it. Don't do spoilers. I know, but it's just so hard. Do you do that? Do you look up spoilers? Sometimes. Yeah, it drives Anthony crazy. Okay. Well, don't do it, Bridget. If you do it, you have to tell me. It's like when we were in college and you'd be like, hey, if you don't eat candy for two days, you can get a carameled apple. Mm-hmm. 
I actually have like four books on audiobook right now. I um I rented a bunch of them or put them, or put them on hold or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got two notifications yesterday to say they were ready. And then I got another notification today to say one's ready. And then I have the Stanley Tucci book. So I'm like, I got to freaking call it. Yeah. Get through all these real quick. Cause I don't want to be on the waiting list for another seven, eight weeks. Yeah. I, uh, I do have the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardgrave. Hugo. Oh, not Hugo. Hardgrave, Hardgrove. Something like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then we just switched who's picking up our book for chat or because we're going to have a book club in person. It's our first in-person one at the chat fest. Mm-hmm. And um, we're reading Finley Do- David's or what is it? Hold on. I got to see what it Evie is. Evie Drake gets her life back. No. What? Evie Drake gets her life back. No, we were going to read that. But the girl that... um. That was supposed to that picked that she actually can't come to chat fest anymore. And so she was like, how about I just have somebody else that. um... Dang it. What's it called? Hold on. This is going to drive me crazy. I want to see if you've read it. You may not have. Um, Oh, Finley Donovan is killing it. Never heard of it. Have you seen it? It's like. Oh, actually, I saw that on my on Libby, the Libby app today. It was like a book that was available, but I didn't know if it was going to be good or not. Yeah, um, that's what we're reading. It's actually a series. And I think there's two books in the series so far. Oh, I speaking of series, I read the next book in the Inheritance Games. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, so I still haven't been picked yet for book club to like pick a book. The last, time, the last time I picked was when I started the book club in 2021. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. How many people are in your book club? There's quite a bit, but a lot of like the people get um, repicked, I feel like. And maybe they don't pick me because they're like, oh, she's kind of in charge of the book club, you mm-hmm. know? Anyway, but I was thinking about if I did get picked, mm-hmm. I think I would do the Cerulean Sea book you should it's so good however i just don't know how people will think about you don't think so no i don't know anyway especially too like if people listen to it on audiobook it's so good i know that's like the other because i think a lot of the people that i read in book club listen to audiobook and i just love the narrator yeah the narrator was i gotta go back and like see if i can find other books that he's narrated yeah, he is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But um, any th- anyway, that's like my week, basically. You know what? I'm going to start my own book club, and that's the first book we're going to do. Okay, let's do it. Or are you going to be part of my book club? Yeah, I would be part of your book club. Oh, I see how it is. I- you'll be part of mine, but I can't be part of yours. Mine is a chapbooks book club, dude. And I'm... Robbie had those chapbooks, Pat hand me down jammy. So basically I work for chapbooks. <laughs> um oh my gosh. Oh, I already told you about that. And I'm not gonna repeat it on air. But um one thing that I did want to kind of talk about was the crumble. I know. No, not the weekly lineup. I talk- know I know okay. you can say the rating thing. Okay, you tell us about it, Liz. So 
I got an ad on Crum on my Instagram for Crumble. Sunday? Yeah. Sunday. And it was saying that there was a new feature available in the app. And it was that you could rate, um, you could create like a little crumbled journal and you can go in and rate cookies. And we found the cookie cup in the lineup and I rate it. Did you rate it? Yeah. And did you see all the comments? Yes. Yeah. And everybody was like, bring it back. We need it back. Yeah. Like I legit wrote on there. I was like, the last time we had this in the cookie lineup was January 2022. Yeah, Let's and bring it back. And they've had freaking cookies and cream 8,000 times. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is the best cookie, dude. And the thing, too, is when it came out, that was when I was recovered, when I had coronavirus. Yeah. And you couldn't really taste it. I was so sad, but I knew it tasted good. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I noticed is that there were cookies in there that i've never seen oh really yeah I'd, i'll have to go through and find it because i was like i've never even heard of this yeah i ha- i didn't look like thoroughly at it i just went when and did the cookie cup one yeah so everyone do us a favor i know you got the crumble cookie app uh go to the app go to the popular page on the on the cookies and rate the cookie cup and tell them to bring it back it currently it, it's only at a 4.1 and literally all i, I don't know I know. I don't know who's rating it like lower than a five because all of the ones that I saw when I just was like scrolling were all fives. I didn't see a single four on there. So I don't know how they're averaging a 4.1. That's stupid. And what's getting better reviews than that is the semi-sweet one, which I never tried the semi-sweet. So I can't really like speak. I didn't either. No, no, no. I did try it. It was actually really good. Mm. I just I I feel like since I've started taking this medication, I can't like really enjoy food stuff like that anymore. But it's like ever since I started this medication, life sucks. No, life is way better. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But um, anyway, yeah. Should we hop to it? Let's hop hop to it. Okay, guys. Today we have one of my friends, Camille, on, um, and we're going to talk to her about her story and some crazy thing that happened to her a few years ago. Um, So, Camille, welcome to the podcast, dude. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm a little hot. I think I was telling you guys beforehand that I was frantically trying to find an extension cord before I did this, and now like my... Body temperature is really warm, but now everybody needs to know. <laughs> Dude, I also feel like when people come on, they're like, "Oh, is this gonna be like so fresh?" I'm like, "I'm like literally sitting in my bed right now." So like, <laughs> I'm in not my parents' closet, so it's fine. It's <laughs> great. It's great. Okay, um, Camille, tell us a little about you. Tell tell the audience who you are and all that yeah. jazz. Okay, so. This is where my advisor from grad school is going to be disappointed that I'm not doing my elevator pitch to talk about who I am for career-wise, <laughs> but we're going to just talk about how I generally, in a nutshell, I'm a girl who's from the East Coast, and now I this is my third time living in Utah. The most Utah thing about me is that I absolutely love fizz soda. So that's me in a nutshell, East Coaster who loves fizz. <laughs> I love that. Um, Bridget's eyes like just bugged out of her head when you said elevator pitch because she had to do that last. Was it last semester? 
No. Well, this so I'm in grad school right yeah. now. And yeah, and um I was telling Liz I had to do an elevator pitch for one of my assignments. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you know what this is? And she's like, it's like you meeting somebody in the elevator and giving them like your spiel in two minutes. And I was literally like, what? Like 30 seconds. <laughs> if you, you might not even have yeah. two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like the gist of it. But it was just funny because I legit was thought that I was the only person that didn't know that. And now because <laughs> I'm in uh, my finals are this next week. And so I have to write a philosophy leadership statement so well you know if nobody gets anything else out of this episode they know what an elevator pitch is now (laughs) that's true you're welcome true (laughs) any business school right here right (laughs) i know right okay remind me what your is it was it an mba no it's an mha which is a master's that's what bridget that's what bridget's doing shut up where at um, Oklahoma State University. Awesome. I'm so excited for you. This is yeah. great. This is the line I tell people. You can you can copy me, but know that um, people don't always like it. I say an MHA is an MBA for people who care. And if you have an MBA, you hate that I say that. But it's like kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I graduate this December, so... I'm really Yay. excited to be done. <laughs> Good. I'm happy for you. That's great. Yeah. And I was supposed to graduate with my with my master's, but I had I deferred a semester just because we moved and had a baby and life was kind of wild. So I took a semester off and now Bridget and I will not be graduating at the same time, even though I started my program uh. before her. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, well, I'll move on from my talk about masters and um, <laughs> and we'll talk about the real part of this episode. So Camille was in an accident. I'm not exactly sure how many years, five years, seven years ago? Six and a half years ago. So right in between there. Okay. And um, she was the victim of a, it was drunk driving, right? Yeah. So I was okay. getting off the exit. It was about like 12.03 in the morning. Um, cause everything bad happens after midnight and mm-hmm. this drunk driver was going a hundred miles an hour. He was the wrong way on a one way street and just like plowed right into me. That's and this was in Utah. What was that? Was this in Utah? Yeah, it was in Utah. Oh my gosh. Right. Do you have any memory of like, I don't even know. Do you have any memory of like what happened like right before? Could you, do you remember seeing the guy like coming towards you or so, anything like that? That's a great question. And it's a little bit complicated for me to answer. So I was in the hospital for several months. Um, and by the time the amnesia starts clearing, my mom asked me that same question. She said, Hey, mm-hmm. can you remember anything? All I told her was, I can remember some lights coming towards me from this direction, but that doesn't really make sense because, Mm -hmm. you know, why would somebody be driving? Like, why somebody's lights be coming at me from that direction on a one-way road? And she said, no, that makes sense. This is what happened. So I remember that I used to be able to remember, but I don't really have that firm memory anymore because I still didn't understand fully what had happened. Right. Oh man, where where in Utah was it? 
or like yeah so it's on beck street when you're getting off exit 312 to go to like north salt lake and bountiful oh yeah so beck street's northbound there and that that little stretch you're still in salt lake city but within like yards you're crossed over into davis county man oh so this is I, I I don't know this is like this is off script but was anybody else on the road with you like was there another car behind you or like anybody else out yeah so there was nobody else in the car with me there was somebody who had I found out after the fact talking with one of the advisors in the young single adult ward that I was in that her friend was in a car with her kids and family and they had been driving on northbound Beck Street and seeing this guy going southbound on Beck Street. So mm-hmm. luckily he didn't hit them, but they saw him. And then about, I want to say within like 30 seconds of being hit, somebody came across the scene and he's the one who called 911. And I've met him and okay. it's a really cool story. It's just, I'm so grateful that, you know, he was there so quickly thereafter and that's partly what saved my life was being able to get me care so quickly so yeah i know i remember when this happened i remember because camille posts the best stuff on instagram and i remember (laughs) thinking like man i have not seen anything from camille like in months and then all of a sudden like you posted like an update and i was like what the (laughs) freak you know like holy crap like you just like don't expect that kind of stuff to happen yeah I remember like the first thing I posted I was still in the hospital I had to talk one of the nurses into giving me my phone back and I obviously <laughs> didn't have any pictures from like the preceding few months so I just posted a picture from a trip I'd been on shortly before this accident to Boston from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum so I just posted it's a really cool museum if you've ever, if you've ever been there but there's this beautiful courtyard in the middle so I posted a photo of that courtyard and I just captioned it something like, uh, not much has gone on in the past few months, but I have a lot of opinions about healthcare if you want to know my thoughts on it. <laughs> Sorry. This may be, do you remember though, like stuff that happened in terms of like your life? That sounds like a really dumb question. No, I, know, like I get that question before. a lot. Um, before like the accident yeah so the accident was on december 17th 2016 at 1203 a.m i don't my first oh gosh timelines are hard the last thing that i remember is i have like a blip of a memory from thanksgiving so like just like three or four weeks before and then i don't start remembering anything until like february so there's about two months that are just actually I guess that would be three months that are about like blacked out. Yeah. Whoa. Which is kind of cool, I guess. I think January, so I don't remember January. That's nice. <laughs> it's like time travel, dude, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like in your mind. So you don't remember anything from the actual accident, but can uh-huh. you walk us through like I'm sure you know what happened, right? Yeah. Like uh, so can you walk us through like you get hit at 100 miles an hour uh-huh. what happens next okay so i was coming home for the night i get hit at 100 miles an hour um and then a gentleman calls 911 and he's like hey there's been an accident you need to send people here now and they asked him where i was 
and he couldn't quite tell exactly which county I was in because, like I said, I was about, I don't know, like less than 10 yards from the county line. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's like oh, what does it matter? And they said, we just need to know, like, who to send, like, which county. And he said, I don't send everybody. I'm like, she's dying or she's dead. So mm-hmm. finally they sent people. Um, and evidently they sent Life Flight, the helicopter. And apparently that helicopter almost didn't land because they said there's no way anybody could have survived an accident like this. Oh my gosh. Isn't that kind of wild to think about? And yeah. um, But luckily, Officer Gwilliam was the police officer at the scene. And I must have moved independently just enough to make them realize I was still alive. So he told Life Flight, no, like, land, you need to take her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they landed and I wish I could remember flying in the helicopter. So my dad, he flies all the time for work. He has flown probably 3 million miles, I think, which is more than most like commercial pilots. But he's never been in a helicopter. And mm-hmm. I have, but I can't like really rub it in <laughs> if I like don't remember it. <laughs> so living my best bachelor life without remembering it. And I, so I went, was taken to Intermountain Medical Center, which is in Murray. It's the the only level one trauma center in the area. And so my parents got a phone call at about like 1.30 in the morning. I have no idea to this day how they identified me and how Mm -hmm. they figured, because my car was like so smushed. There's like no license, but you know, I don't know how they identified me, but somehow they did. And they tried calling my dad's phone. He had left it in his home office downstairs. So he didn't answer. And I was, uh, I had listed him as my emergency contact and Intermountain only has one spot for an emergency contact. Luckily, I'd also written my mom's number on there. So they called my mom's cell and the call went through on the first ring, which, you know, when you're, she keeps her phone on do not disturb at night. And Mm -hmm. they, um, which was, was really interesting. I learned that I thought maybe hospitals had special permission to get through on that first ring. They didn't have to call twice. Hospitals do not have that special permission, so they have to call twice, but they still got through on the first try, which I thought was wow. pretty miraculous. Yeah. They called my mom, told they told her where I was. I went down to the hospital. My parents went down to the hospital. Uh, my dad told whoever was working at the front desk, you know, I'm Camille's dad. Where is she? Has she expired? You can tell me. Uh, my dad used to when he was a teenager, do some work in hospitals. So he's a little bit familiar. And they said they were brought back to my room and they could see that I had a neck brace and that there were a lot of doctors in there and there was no sheet over my face. So they knew right away that I was alive just because, I mean, why would you have so many medical uh, providers there? Mm-hmm. If, you were, if you weren't. Um, I, so I spent three weeks in the shock trauma ICU. It was called the STICU. Evidently, the average length of stay is 3.3 days or 3.5 days. So I was there seven times longer than what's average. And the average survival rate, like half the people who go to the SICU uh, don't walk out alive. And so I was just like, you know, beating all the odds and staying there. So when they, okay, I'll go through all the injuries that I got before I keep moving on. 
Um, I was I was literally just like, so what? What did it happen? I, know, I also have the chills right now. Like I am have like full body chills. Like listening to you tell me this, it's crazy. Um, so I let me do this from head to toe. That helps. So I had over fifteen subdural hematomas. That's just a really oh fancy God. word that means brain bleed. Evidently, if you have one brain bleed, it's not great, but clinicians can work with it. If you have three, it puts the clinicians into red alert. And my parents were in the room when they were counting these brain bleeds, and they kind of just stopped counting out loud at around 15 and said, and it's just everywhere. Um, I broke my nose. I broke my sinuses. Did you know that you could do that? Like, I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, (laughs) I lost my four front teeth which is like every every woman who's single in her late 20s like that's her dream to lose her front teeth (laughs) but I had braces on at the time and my cousin's an orthodontist and he's like I can't believe you lost teeth with braces on you must have gotten hit hard I was like yeah you're like yeah kind (laughs) of kind of my little brother's an engineer and he did the math and said that with the two cars hitting each other my brain went 17 g's I believe which is faster than when an astronaut's coming back into Earth's orbit. So like... Oh my gosh, Camille. I know. It's like, people said that my Bachelor's of Art History wouldn't take me anywhere, but like it did take me to space in my brain. So I guess I win. I perforated my intestines. So they had to take out a foot of those. And shattered both of my ankles and broke my right foot when they found me my left foot was not quite 180 degrees backwards but it was between like we'll say maybe like 120 between 90 and 180 so it was just is that wild yeah um so oh my gosh Camille gross right it's kind of gross to think about were, was your car like totally smashed in? Yeah, it, like when you look at pictures of my car, you can kind you can understand like oh, like her intestines were probably perforated oh. because her seatbelt, not her seatbelt, sorry, seatbelt saved my life, FYI, mm-hmm. um, but because the steering wheel was like in my gut, kind of a thing. Oh my gosh! Oh my do, gosh. So do you? This is probably getting ahead of myself, but like. <laughs> You have photos of like what your car looked yeah. like, mm-hmm. what you looked like yeah. too. Like, oh my god! I know people. My mom said that people looked at her like she was kind of weird for taking pictures. But luckily, my mom had the foresight to say, you know, Camille's not going to remember this because that's what the um, physicians were telling her. But she's going to want to know really what happened. So thank goodness she has pictures, so I can look back on it and be like, okay, so this. I mean. I can't say it wasn't a dream because I don't remember it, but like here's photographic evidence that, yeah, in conjunction with my medical records, this is what I looked like and what happened. Oh my heavens, dude. I like can't even, it's, it honestly seems like it's like out of a movie. Like when you see like the person that's like mangled on the side of the road, you know, like, I don't know. It's truly a miracle you're alive oh it really is I mean honestly the whole thing is just a series of miracles um and 
I'm so grateful for these clinicians who had like these God-given talents that they mm-hmm. like worked with. Because a lot of my providers had never seen anything like what had happened to me. One example that my mom gave oh. is I would, the term is called sympathetic storming, which is not a word I had ever heard before. What it means mm-hmm. is basically your nervous system is going into overdrive and you're as part of that because you're brain and your nervous system is trying to self-regulate and it doesn't know how to regulate anymore your body temperature spikes you get permanent brain damage at 105 degrees and I was spiking to 107 degrees and so my mom says that these physicians and you know these sticky doctors were in there just orchestrating you know really just directing everybody and she could see that she could see them praying and trying to figure out, you know, what to do next, you know, because they've been practicing for 30 years, but still never seen anything like this. And thankfully, yeah. you know, they obviously were able to get that under control. But it's just wild. Okay, oh, hey, this is another oh, another question that I have. Mm-hmm. But do you um, was it like did did the driver leave the like was it a hit and run? No, actually, thank goodness. So I. Um, the guy who called 911, his name is Luke. He said that, you know, he came across the scene and the guy who hit me, James, was trying to walk away and kept saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't worry, I'm good. And Luke, the 911 caller, said, good. Uh, I'm not worried about you as much as I'm worried about her. Don't go anywhere. Don't walk away. So he, this guy tried to walk away. Uh, fortunately... He wasn't a combative drunk. He listened to what Luke said. And obviously the forces, you know, the police force was there like right away. But he did try to. Did he, did he like go to prison or like, is he still there? So he went to prison for a little bit over two years because I didn't know that DUIs could go up to a felony level, but evidently they do. So he was in prison for a little bit over two years. He was sentenced to minimum to maximum, which is zero to five years. Uh, And I learned through this as well that by the time somebody gets caught driving drunk, and this was his first time getting caught driving drunk from what I've been told, you have driven drunk at least 80 times already. So it's just a pretty prevalent thing. And Utah, again, I'm quoting some information that I've been told, Utah has the highest incidence of drunk driving per capita in the nation or at least at the time that I got hit, it did. So people just need to be, like, really careful out there. And I tell people all the time, like, no. I'll pay for your Uber, guys. It's, like, less expensive than a hospital bill, I can promise you. Did you – did he – like I said, I'm getting probably ahead of myself, but did he – did the drunk driver ever reach out to you and is like, hey, I'm so sorry? Did you? No, I really wish he had. That's actually something that I, like – struggle with on some some you know depending on how charitable I am on any given day so when I one of the sentencing one of the parole hearings I had to go to because uh, he was brought up to a prison that was closer he apologized to Mr. Moffat my dad but he did not apologize to me so like wait why did he apologize to your dad the patriarchy I don't know that's the only thing I can think of Weird. I have no idea. Hmm. That is so. Isn't that weird? Crazy. I was like, it's like so. 
yeah, that's like, I don't know. That would just, that would drive me wild. And I'm surprised that like, that wasn't like, even like one of the stipulations in prison, you know what yeah, I mean? Or I like, like, I don't know. I, maybe that's like kind of what Liz was saying, like in the movie music or like, yeah, uh, Hollywood has kind of romanticized this, uh, like aspect of those kind of injury or I don't know events exactly so I don't know but so what kind of treatment though like did you end up getting for your all of your injuries and I guess like how long did it take for you to recover um how long were you in the hospital and are you still dealing with I know you said like your ankle was Mm -hmm. still basically (laughs) like uh so I had a lot of surgeries and I only remember the ones I got after I was released from the hospital. So luckily, I did not need any surgery on my brain. Um, the, the fluids that were there as a result, you know, that had built up as a result of the head trauma were able to miraculously clear themselves up. And that is honestly nothing short of a miracle. Um, but on Christmas Day is when they noticed that... Um, something I don't know like you're hooked up to a lot of stuff and a lot of body fluids are coming out I guess and something was green that shouldn't be and that's mm-hmm. when they realized that my um that my intestines were perforated so Christmas day they cut me open and took out six inches and then two days later they took out six more inches um I don't know how long or like or how closely to the accident before or after uh this Christmas surgery they did my ankles, but they did both of those and they had to take some bone from below my left knee and graft it into my left ankle because it was just all powder. When you look at the x-ray, oh my, my mom gosh. said that they showed a picture and there was just like uh, like gray dust everywhere and that was my ankle. I learned on my one-year follow-up for my ankle surgery, I actually didn't learn this. They told my parents... Um, because my parents were still hanging back talking with the doctor and I was like, see ya, uh, that they, that he's like, Oh good. I thought we were going to have to go back and amputate even a year later. So I was oh like, my almost, goodness. Yeah, isn't that, that, that rocked my world when I heard that, that I was almost yeah. going to be a double amputee because my surgeon is nationally ranked. He's a phenomenal doctor. And even he was like, Oh, that was real close. Yeah. Um, and then I had to get several oral surgeries when I was out of the hospital. And that was probably a two-year process to get new teeth. But now I have new teeth and they look great. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. they do. They look great, dude. <laughs> Can I ask a weird question? Are they, are they veneers? No, because veneers, they shave down your natural teeth to put the veneers on. Okay. So this is an implant bridge. So it's like they put implants in my... Uh, upper jaw and mm-hmm. put this on here but I have a co-worker who didn't know my story and she said Camille your teeth are so good I was like they better be they're really expensive <laughs> <laughs> thank you Dr. Greg Johnson <laughs> oh man yeah they look your teeth look amazing I I remember you when I saw you at a party with Haley and I think you had like a I don't know what to the call flipper it. that comes in and out. Okay, I was like an insert. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but I remember. But so your teeth look <laughs> so good. Thank oh, you. I good job. That. 
And my dad, evidently, when he arrived to the hospital that first night and saw that I was missing teeth, and obviously, you know, I cared enough about my teeth to have adult braces on at the time, he immediately started calling like LDS family services, not family services, but like therapy services. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any therapists who specialize in dental loss? And I'm like, no, that's like not a thing. (laughs) You're like, that's so specific. (laughs) But like, bless him for asking that. How sweet is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, What a nice dad. Um, So you're telling us all about your injuries. Mm -hmm. So what kind of, so your ankles are pretty much done for. Um, Did you have to like relearn? So this is a dumb question. Did you have to learn how to rewalk or like what? That's a great question, okay. actually. So I spent the three weeks in you shock trauma, and then I went up to neuro rehab. And they thought I'd be in the hospital for like a year total, but I was only in neuro rehab for like five weeks. So all in all, oh. not bad. But I had to learn how to feed myself again, how to bathe myself, how to go to the toilet, um, how to walk. And, you know, and part of leaving the hospital was passing those ADLs, activities of daily living. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you like how nice it is like to, again, I only remember that last week at the hospital, but how many times I would take myself to the toilet and then like a CNA, uh, saw that I wasn't in my bed and came to find me to open up the, uh, the bathroom door while I'm on the toilet to ask me, you know, what I'm doing. I think Mm -hmm. you know what I'm doing. (laughs) So it's like really (laughs) nice not to have those interruptions. And, um, so up in neuro rehab, you know, I had to do speech therapy, which is a bit of a misnomer I learned because speech therapy is in part how to talk. You know, I went to speech therapy as a kid for a lisp, um, mm-hmm. but it also is cognitive therapy. So a lot of what they would have me do is, you know, draw the time on a clock or like what or which, what about this picture is wrong um, and it mm-hmm. might be that there was a blow dryer where it was unplugged and in the sink or something. Um, mm-hmm. I also had to do uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy. You know, an occupational has a lot to kind of do with those ADLs and just kind of getting around the world. They're, they took me on like two or three big field trips, I remember, that last week. One of them was going to... Best Buy, which is right across the street. The other one was going to Barnes and Noble, which is right across the street. And also guys, across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I Costco, right. which is right next door. <laughs> I had no idea. So I was in a wheelchair and I have so much more empathy because I didn't realize that when you're in a wheelchair in the bookstore, you can't really tell which section you're in with, because, you know, they have like the little placards on top of the bookshelf Mm -hmm. but when you're in a when you're like lower to the ground you can't see it because they they would say okay now find a book in the fantasy section or find a book in this section I'm like I have no idea what section I'm in um and then (laughs) I also got to uh take myself to Chick-fil-a and that was really fun some big highlights there so I feel like Liz and sorry if you've already said this but um I feel like Liz said that, like, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but I don't know if you know too many people that have, like, been hit by a drunk driver. I hope you don't know too many people. You, like, woke up and, like, spoke in French or something? Yeah, yeah. I'm 
so like if you don't language. Yeah, so I guess uh, there's a lot, there's a number of funny stories from the sticku that I've heard. Uh, oh, I have another actually really great one. I have to tell you after this. But when I was in the sticku, I guess the clinicians were coming and speaking to me in English, and I wouldn't. I, I didn't want that. It had to all be in French. So my dad would translate into French for me. And then I would trans I would speak back in French. So my dad would have to translate into English for them. And so you know, and I wait, what did your why did your dad speak French? Uh he served a mission for our church in Paris. Okay. And which is why I have which is why my name's Camille. Well, he says a French name. Uh, or Kimmy. But so my dad said at one point when I was up in Sikyu, like the physician who was on in charge that day my dad asked him should I be concerned like my daughter is only speaking French and will only listen to French should I be worried and oh. the way my dad tells it he see, he said that the doctor he could look in his eyes and he could see that he was thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna be in the New England Journal of Medicine which is like the most prestigious or one of the most prestigious medicine journals and uh-huh. the, the doc says I don't know it depends did she speak French before and my dad said, well, yeah. And the doctor said, that is not a big deal. Like, who cares? <laughs> so I wish I had, like, we're stuck with, like, a permanent posh British accent or something. But that's such luck. <laughs> yeah, you're so, like, hello, governor. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you know French? Um, I mean, in part through my dad, but I took probably 10 years of French between public school and BYU. Yeah. Jeez, why didn't dad teach us Korean? <laughs> I'd rather learn French than Korean. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's all I know. <laughs> anyway, oh. sorry. I just, Lisa told me that and I was like, there's absolutely no way that's freaking like Isn't that crazy. the funniest thing? You know? And the things that I was saying in French were things about like different kinds of cheese that I was craving and for everybody listening to this I'm probably the only person in America who's not like crazy about cheese so that's why it was even like funnier that I was like talking about oh je veux come in veg like and like okay I guess I really was crazy (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny dude so the other so the other thing I'm thinking about right now is you told us you had like 15 hematomas, right? Or no, hematomas? Yeah, like, uh, subdural hematomas. Yeah, the, bla- the brain. Okay, that's what it is. So I'm pretty sure I know this. So if I'm you had that would probably like result for, like in a TBI, right? Correct, traumatic brain injury. Okay, okay. so tell me about that. Because so, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. actually. Oh my gosh, it's like. I mean, I love to talk about it because it's such a thing that I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's a, re- it's the, you know, obviously like my foot was backwards. I lost my teeth. I was, you know, things were going into my gut that shouldn't have been, that could have killed me. My brain injury is the worst of my injuries. So mm-hmm. when you kind of put it into context of that, you can kind of understand all of the other stuff I talked about you can see that tangibly but to see it's hard to see a brain injury it's hard to explain a brain injury it's hard to really know what it is unless you've had one and a lot of you know the doctors who specialize in this sort of thing they don't even really know 
what it is or like how to heal it. Short story is like, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll always have side effects from it, but the best quote that I read, I read this book by David Eagleman. I believe he's an MD uh, and it's called the brain easily enough. And he mentions (laughs) in there, you know, everybody knows that the ocean covers most of the planet but that we know like nothing about the ocean. Uh It's the same thing with the brain. Like the brain is what controls our bodies and our conscience and this and that. We know like even less about the brain, like in proportion, you know, proportionally we know even less about the brain than we do about the ocean. Um, And it's just a really, really hard thing to go through. You know, I, I've seen growth and improvement, but it's very slow. And I still have a lot of like very real hard daily struggles with it. And people will tell me, oh, Camille, like you seem fine. And I know they mean well, but I'm also, okay. I'm also, I also have this struggle. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I do feel great. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I I don't, but it's just, you know, you can feel yourself having to recreate new neural pathways um Uh which is a very weird feeling to when you feel that your brain has to find a new way to remember something you know at one point I remember I was talking with someone and I couldn't remember the word for eyelid so Uh I was sitting there ah you know um eyeball flesh which is like (laughs) obviously not what it's called it's kind of a gross way to describe it but mm-hmm. now I will never forget the word for eyelid because my brain has had to come up with new neural pathways. And that's just like one of like so many examples to yeah. get from one point to another. And, you know, I'm just always tired and people will tell me, oh, I get it, Camille. Like, I'm tired, too. And I, I know that they are. They're tired, too, but they're not tired the same way that I am. Mm-hmm. The best way that I can describe it is it's kind of like you're drowning and you can tell that you're right below the water, but you can't get anywhere. Um, I'd say for the first five or five and a half years, I was in a constant state of brain fog, which is not necessarily a term that I love because I don't think it does a great job of explaining what it feels like. But there, mm-hmm. there's also nothing really better, I don't think, out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had to go through grad school with this brain fog. I've had to, like, work. And everything. You know, it's just, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And trying to describe it. And I know people, like, might, you know, mean well and they want to understand it, but it's hard to describe it. So I can't really blame people for not getting it. Yeah. So I actually have, like, a, I'm just thinking of some follow-up questions. Okay. So did you have, like, a, any personality changes, like, with the TBI? Oh, great question. You know, no, actually. I mean, it's, okay, maybe. Let me correct that. I am a more, generally more patient and understanding than I was before. And, you know, I'm one, a Moffat, and two, I'm Scottish. So we're not like the most like patient and understanding people um, by nature. But so now, genetic. I get it. So I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm walking around like, oh, I'm Jesus, I'm Mother Teresa, but I'm just like mm-hmm. a lot more or a lot less uptight than I was before. Okay. 
That's, I mean, that's understandable. I think I've, I've heard or read or oh, I don't yeah. know, on TV. Personalities like, can totally change for sure. Yeah. And then the other thing I thought of, and I'm like backtracking here is post, like after your accident, were you, did you have like anxiety about driving? My parents did about me driving, okay. but again, I didn't remember oh, it. Um, you know, I've actually been in a number of car accidents before, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I, my goal in life is to be wealthy enough to hire a personal driver to take me everywhere because like I've been <laughs> too many car accidents. They've never been my fault. I want the record to show. But like one time I was driving home for Thanksgiving from DC to Philadelphia. And if you're familiar with that drive at all, you have to go through the Harbor Tunnel in Baltimore. And it had been raining that day. And while I was in the Harbor Tunnel, there was really bad traffic. And like a big lifted like Ford F-150 um, shoved, like ran into my car and like shoved it along the inside of the tunnel for a while. And so I was scared to drive after that one in the rain because I could remember it so vividly. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I mean, I'm careful at night, but I think everybody should be careful at night. Sure, yeah. My dad made me go to the church parking lot and practice driving around like I was, you know, 15. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Dads. It's just so, it's so crazy to like think, that you've like experienced this. I don't know Mm -hmm. because I don't know. You just, you never, you hear about this stuff that happens like in the, in the news and then I don't know, but do you feel like you've had to make any like lifestyle changes since the accident? Like, um, I mean, I was told I can't wear stilettos anymore. So no more stilettos. However, I know they probably meant just like heels in general, but they specifically said stilettos. So sometimes I'll wear like a thick, like not like a wedge, but wedge. like a thicker, like oh, low no. heel. So I, but mm-hmm. not very often. And it's like the church where you're just like sitting the whole time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, this is going to be embarrassing because it's going to reveal how much of like how boring my life was before anyway. So I just, I mean, I, I guess I'm more conscientious of um, being sure that, you know, I'm get, I'm not just like sitting around and not using my legs because the more blood flow you get, like the better it is. I'm not allowed to run, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really a runner beforehand anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so like no high impact. But that's so like that wasn't a huge yeah. change. I know it's kind of a bummer answer that it wasn't, but it's like there's. At least, or maybe I've just come become so like used to it, and that nothing stands out anymore. Because I'm like, okay, I can't wear heels. Okay, I can't run. And it's not like I was yeah. mountain climbing every day. You know, I was. I like books and I like museums. So like none of yeah. those are extreme. Yeah, Camille. Sorry, Bridget. This is this is like for the listeners and for Bridget. But Camille is like the most cultured person I know. She's like always going to art museums. And okay, so Camille also reads a ton. Bridget, you need to follow her. Okay, so, and I also, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Liz. Let me tell that. Um, so the doctors told my parents that I would never read again, that I would um, never live independently, that I would never speak coherently, and like something else I can't remember. So mm-hmm. I took that as a challenge. And I think a year or two ago, I read around 80 books. I mean, that was something I had to build up too though because I remember getting out of the hospital and I'd read like a sentence and I'd have to sleep for hours because it took too much out of me 
Um, And then, you know, I, after I finished grad school, I moved and lived alone in Omaha for like a year and a half, which they thought I'd never do. And Mm -hmm. people, I guess, can leave a review on this afterwards on whether or not I speak coherently, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, does, like, does reading though, and this might sound um, a little bit ignorant, but like, does reading like hurt your brain? Like, are you just, even now, like, are you like, okay, this is a lot? Um, sometimes, yeah. Like, I mean, there's sometimes where it, like, it's a lot. Um, you know, just last week I tried starting a new book, um, and I read, like, six pages of, like, the introduction before I went to bed, and the next day I read the next couple pages, and I started to try to pick up where I had been, and I was like, Mm. I can't even remember what happened. Like, I know, like, I wasn't focused, you know, I said it just was, like, a lot, so then I started over and now it's like making sense again i say generally you know, i've had to rework that muscle to kind of figure that out mm-hmm. like but so some generally it's really good but sometimes you know there are certain setbacks that i can't figure out like why there are some days that my brain is better than other days or worse than on other days mm-hmm. i just kind of have to listen to it and react to it yeah. So I'm I'm going to put you on the spot, not like like more on the spot than you are right now, but <laughs> we're going to talk about the reading thing cuz Bridget's a very she's an avid book reader as well. Um and so I'm pretty cultured too. Yeah, I can tell. I was like um Liz no. that's rude. Bridget's right here. No, Liz it's funny because like my husband is like the least he's going to laugh when he listens to this, <laughs> but like he's the least cultured. I feel like Liz and I grew up in a home our father is very cultured, I feel awesome. like. Would you say that, Liz? Yeah. Like, not – he's very, like, immerse yourself in the culture, just, like, he's traveled the world. He Well, when he was going to law school, he worked for the airlines, and so he got, a, like, really cheap tickets all the time. So he just – like, he if he wanted to go to New Zealand for the weekend, he'd go to the New Zealand for the weekend cool. type of thing. And so growing up too as well, like um, people might maybe frown upon this, but Liz and I would go to Catholic mass like every Christmas Eve and growing up like in a LDS family. So, and we've also, you know, traveled a ton and, and whatever, and been in like museum things Mm and, and all that. And so my husband always like laughs about it because he'll be like, so wait, what is this and this and this and he's like oh you're so cultured a little bit obnoxious when he does it but he grew up in a family that you know just isn't and so but he likes to rub in my face that he's like well at least i've lived in guatemala for two years and <laughs> i've never lived like outside of the country alone beside yeah okay but so my question for camille about all this is what book number are you on for the year so far Oh, that's a great question. I wish I had my phone with me. Um, twenty. Are you something. on Goodreads? It's twenty something. I'm on Goodreads. Yeah. Um, I want maybe twenty six, twenty eight. Okay. Because awesome. Camille posts on her Instagram, and this is why I started doing this. I love that you do it. Always, yeah, she'd always write these little like snippets or like a summary or whatever of what Synopsis, the book is. Yeah. And so, oh yeah, yeah, I can't think. Here's my brain. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a mom. My <laughs> I, brain's not I, here, but... I had to create new neural pathways for it. 
Um, and so I'm like, you know what? I love that Camille does that because it helps me be like, oh, maybe I would like that. So now yeah. I do it when I post out the books. I've taken screenshots so. of yours too. I love them. <laughs> so awesome. I, I love it. When, I don't do that, but I love it when people do that because it helps me be like, hey, do I want to read this book? Like, and, I secretly think yeah. that I started that trend because I yes. didn't, nobody in my life or in my social feeds was doing that. And then now everybody's doing it. So, like, I yeah. guess that well, makes me I'm here to tell you that I did copy you. Okay, good. So. Uh, my, I'll <laughs> take awesome. 5% off the top. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll get us back on track. I'm sorry. I had to, like, <laughs> dive. What are I, oh, I can't can, think of words. Liz wants to start a book club so bad. And I do. I do. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go just jump. Oh, sorry. My audio is probably being lagged. You're good. Okay. Sorry. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so we've like t- talked about this a couple of times that you went to graduate school and yeah. had a TBI. Tell us about like why you decided to go to grad school while having that. And what was that like? Um, I want to thank the University of Utah for helping give me accommodations to get through grad school uh, with this very severe TBI. As a side note, there's like a, there's a whole different, there's a whole gamut of TBIs. Um, so I, you know, I knew that I'd always wanted to go to grad school you know, my bachelor's is, is in art history and curatorial studies. And for a long time, I had thought that maybe I'd want to go get a master's in museums, museum studies. You know, I did my post back at Cambridge focusing in museum studies. But I just kind of always knew that there's not a ton of jobs in it. And I love learning about art history, but I hate or that's a strong word. I don't enjoy writing about art history as much as I do learning about it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like why I had never gone. And then after what I went through, I was like, well, maybe I'll go um, to grad school for healthcare. You know, and I had really wonderful experiences in my healthcare experience, um, uh, recovery. However, you know, it wasn't a perfect experience. There were some weird mm-hmm. operational things that happened um, that I don't necessarily need to, like, go super into, but some weird things that kind of happened. I was like, okay, that's odd. So then I went and got my master's of healthcare administration. And, you know, I'd been working in, like, the dental industry for a number of years beforehand, like most people who have a bachelor's of art history, because they can't do anything with that. And then after what I'd been been through, I just kind of wanted to find a way to contribute back to the healthcare industry without having to go to med school and get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but luckily, yeah, the, the University of Utah was really great about helping provide me accommodations where I could take my exams in private rooms if I needed to. Um, so that way I didn't have all of the distractors for me. It's a lot, you know, nobody's brain can, um, multitask, but it was especially that, uh, aggravated for me to kind of have a lot going on, trying to process what was going on around me while also taking graduate level math classes. And when I hadn't Mm -hmm. taken math in like 12 years, so (laughs) that was really great. You know, and 
just kind of finding good people to work with on group projects because Bridget as you know like group work is kind of the worst but so long mm-hmm. as you can find good people to in your group and kind of say hey you know here are some of my strengths here are some of your strengths and kind of operate that way are you do are you working with your uh, MHA now? Yeah. Um. So right after grad school, I was working in operations, and in in a primary care practice. Actually, mm-hmm. I actually had a two. I have about two different clinics there, and now I'm working on the like insurance broker side of things. So I think I. I have a very well-rounded experience in the sense that, you know, I've worked in the dental industry, I've worked in the healthcare industry, and I've worked, and I'm working in the insurance industry. I've also been a high utilizer of all of those. You know, I've had really unique dental needs through this. I had never had a cavity in my life, and then I lost my my teeth. (laughs) And, you know, and then obviously I've, so my medical, um, expenses in my stay were in the seven figures and so that's how I kind of learned that there's such a thing as reinsurance Um, insurance companies take out insurance to help recoup their losses because of people like me who are the people that you know insurance is really designed for Um, Mm -hmm. and you know I've lost my train of thought but all to say I've got professional experience in all of these categories, medical, dental, and insurance, and I've, you know, been a high utilizer as well. That's cool. I always just wonder, like, mm-hmm. you know, getting an MHA, if there's, like, this is probably a side butt, and just, I don't know. But it's like, is it going to be worth it? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, so I'm actually applying to the doctorate program oh. in September. Yeah. So, and it's nice because OSU allows you to, like, um, use some of your master's credits awesome. towards the doctorate program. So you're kind of double dipping. Love so, that. and it were and yeah, me, I'm like, sweet. Like <laughs> I want to do that. So I'm trying to take all the classes that like oh, for sure. double dip for into sure. the doctorate. And so I just, am like, I wonder if there's, cause I, I feel like I've heard like the master's is like the new bachelor's. It, right? Yeah, like, it really is though. And so that's why I'm like, hey, is this going to be <laughs> worth it? We're just like, is the doctorate going to be the new master's? <laughs> Basically, there's yeah. going to be something else next. But Seriously. anyway, yeah, that's cool, though. I think that's like such an, I mean, it's such a bittersweet thing that you were able to like push through such a, like a tremendous trial and try like make something out of it thank you and be able to like jump those hurdles and I mean a master's program is not easy by any means and so and I would be remiss if I didn't also give like a very public shout out to my support system that I had like but you know between my family and my social network you know there are so many people who have been through harder things than, than I have and have not come out as well as I have or people who have been through things that maybe don't fill up as many pages in the medical record as I have, as I do, and don't come out with the way that I do because they don't have the support of, you know, their family with them. You know, my parents were able to drop everything and live with me in the hospital. Um, I had friends who dropped everything to 
come see me in the hospital, which I, I don't remember, but knowing that they were there like makes a huge difference. So I, you know, having that support system like really makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I'm sure like it like made you also realize who your support system was. Totally. Like I, so like every year on the anniversary of when I was hit, I post something on Instagram and there were a couple of years, a few years ago, I, I posted something about how this experience really showed me how many people were there for me and had always been there for me. Cause living in Utah, I always feel like an outsider. I feel like I just like don't understand the culture here very much and I don't really fit in and that's fine. Like I, I, I love who I am and I love what the experiences have made me who I am, you know, growing up where I did, but I've always felt pretty lonely. And then when I can take the time to reflect and see how many people were there for me during, from different phases of life, and how many people like dropped things to be there for me it really is so humbling and gratifying and my mom when she saw that post she said that she had a a really strong impression come to her when she read what I wrote that that was one of the things that I needed to learn from what I went through I mean there's so many things that I've learned as a result with from this experience but talking about how she felt so strongly that that was one of the big ones to know that people were there for me and yeah. I wasn't as alone as yeah. maybe I thought I was yeah yeah Dang. that's yeah I'm sure that that was like a, a lesson to be learned and, yeah. and everything and um do you feel like though you've had to develop or learn to develop like any coping mechanisms that um like to help deal with the emotional and physical aftermath of the accident? You know, I, I was trying to like figure out, cause you know, surprise, you know, I, I was able to get a preview of these questions. Yes. <laughs> but I'm trying to like figure out how to answer that. You know, I'm very transparent with people about how, you know, I'm not going to go see the eight o'clock movie. Like, that's too tired that's too late for me neither am I yeah I know right I'm just very transparent about like I like what my limits are you know like I can't um maybe I you know can't go you know granted none of us are 19 anymore and can't go out to studio 600 back when that was a thing (laughs) studio 600 (laughs) omg like a blast from the past i did not go to studio 600 but i had a roommate who was always there (laughs) and she was yeah this is a whole that's a whole other side note yeah i think i I just i don't know if i necessarily know how to answer the question because i've just i'm just very transparent with people just okay this is like what i need or these are what my limits are or like maybe i don't feel comfortable driving the long drive to Las Vegas. Would you mind being the one driving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that. No, that's I think great. That's I cool. mean, I, yeah, I, and some people like are just. I mean, that's great that you're transparent. I think that that helps a lot of people, and yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think I set those 
trans- I'm going to call them boundaries, whatever, because yeah, I cool. haven't, I don't haven't been in an accident, but I set those boundaries. We were at, in Ephraim this last weekend with my in-laws and we were talking about how like Liz, me, how I go to bed at, by like 830 every night. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it because <laughs> I freaking get up at the butt crack dawn. So <laughs> like, whatever. Oh man, it's funny. Good. But um okay i have one last question and camille this has been such a fun interview for me to like yeah, not f- fun fun's not the right word what's a like, great word for eye opening yeah i don't know i don't know what the right word is but i've loved hearing your story and mm-hmm. like actually hearing it firsthand other than like reading about it on instagram um <laughs> or like uh yeah so seeing that and um hearing like the firsthand knowledge from you but i do know from instagram that you do some you have your own little project side project or whatever Mm -hmm. from this um and can you tell us what that is and um what yeah everything about that okay so this project it's called chimerical which i always feel kind of silly uh telling people what it's called because it's my name and it's but one of my good friends that I went to, I think Alex, Haley's sister. Um, oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. I believe she was the one who came up with the name Chimerical, or at least that's where I first heard it. And mm-hmm. what I do every year is a service project where we put together care packages for people who are in the STICU and their families, as well as patients and families and the staff of those who are up in neuro rehab. So, you know, my parents you know, essentially moved into the hospital while I was there and relied on the goodness of strangers who were there like, hey, you know, we made some popcorn. Um, Do you want anything to eat? And kind of just, so they're basically just little goodie bags full of like snacks and chapstick because when you're on um, breathing tubes and other medications, your lips get really dry. So I feel really strongly about letting everybody know that. And food and snacks and uh, water bottles. Um, and we just bring it, we drop them off at the hospital. You know, I, I can only get into the STICU because I, I'm a former patient. So I go and mm-hmm. I just drop them off and say, thank you so much, everything. And when we see people also waiting out in the lobby, we give them to them. So it's just a small, it's really, you know, nothing major, nothing life-changing. But in those moments when you're there, especially when you're there attending to a loved one, you're not really thinking of your own needs. You know, my mom passed out a number of times just because she was forgetting to eat mm-hmm. and, you know, not sleeping well. So it's just a little, just a little pick me up for people who are there, you know, as, as much as you can pick somebody up while they're in that situation. Yeah. Well, count me in this year for okay. Chimerical. Okay, good. Yay. How did you like get involved? Like, how did you set that up? Um, it's, you know, it's, so I, my work uh, helped with it this year. And one of the people that I worked with asked if I had set up a nonprofit or a something else, you know, maybe with under another code. And I said, no, I just ask for donations. You know, some of my friends will donate things or I'll just pay for the rest. And so it's not like anything formal um yeah it's just something that I like to do to kind of help again give back in the in the smallest yeah. way possible no I was just curious like did you like um like message the hospital and you're like hey I would like to do this like I, what are your no 
I don't know. I don't think maybe maybe the first year we did, and maybe my dad reached out again. Like I don't, I'm not sure. Well, I just know that like my parents knew that I could get in as long because they had told my parents, you know, if you want, if you want to come back and visit, just say, hey, this is Camille, I'm a former patient, and I can get in. So I mean, as far as more specifics on how I, my parents probably knew something, like they'd kind of told them something. That, yeah yeah I was just curious because so my son was born premature and um like the people in the NICU were just amazing and like the Ronald McDonald home is just like awesome and so like um I always told my husband I'm like I would love so my son was born 2021 which it was still during like COVID stuff and so you weren't able to like really do anything and we've my husband's in residency right now so we're move around a lot yeah and so um I was like I would really love to give back to the NICU just because those people are like literal angels Angels. like they just and they just they'll be they would be like hey we've just made like I mean I don't eat like hot dogs but (laughs) my husband loves like they were like we are made pigs in a blanket do you guys want some and I just have always wanted I told him I'm like hey when we're done with residency I really want to start something like to give back to like the NICU people because it's such a stressful time. Oh, it's so stressful. It's just, you know what? Um, I would just, if I were you, just call and ask to speak with the charge nurse. Um, I would say you could also maybe try community outreach, which I know it's that's outside of the hospital, but speaking there, they might have ideas on how to donate things inside of the hospital. Yeah. And I was just curious because I'm like, I I tried to bring cookies one time, mm-hmm. but since it was during COVID, right. it was like it had to be like store-bought or whatever. Right. Yeah. So and many so stipulations. That it was, yeah. When I when I was living in Omaha that year for Comiracle, I didn't donate bags or anything because it was, you know, the height of COVID. So I just helped volunteer time by waiting at the door doing screenings. Mm. and then I think um I I don't know if my family did anything in Utah but just kind of found a way to still have the spirit of Comiracle during COVID as much as you could that's super cool I love that yeah is there can we like donate like can we Venmo like what can we do to help oh that's so sweet um yeah I mean you could Venmo me and then put in there that it's for Comiracle um I don't know. Should I give out my handle here or, or later? My handle's at. Just, you can message me and I'll put okay. it, I'll put it on there. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just put that it's for Comerical because I mean, it does come out to a few hundred dollars, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's less than seven figures of medical expenses. So anything to support those who are supporting other people while they're there is great. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, Camille, this was so amazing. Seriously. Oh, you are. You are a real miracle. So God is good. God is. And I good. honestly feel like we like skimmed the surface. I could have been here all day, like asking every freaking I question. <laughs> I know. I saved all the really embarrassing stories for next time because there's some. I did some crazy things while I was there. <laughs> oh my gosh, What's dude! Yeah, we'll yes. have a part. We'll have a part two another time. <laughs> we'll invite my parents on, and they'll share all of like yes. the crazy things I said and did. <laughs> 
I love that. And you can be like, Dad, and we don't need to, you won't need to be in the closet for this one. Like, or or <laughs> you can, whatever. <laughs> and we'll yeah. have him translate the French for us. Exactly. Yeah, shout out to David and Christy, either of them you know, VIPs, MVPs for letting me use their closet for this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Also, hey, well, love your little microphone. It's so cute. I know. Well, Bridget told me I have to freaking put it up to my mouth more because I, I don't know. So now, so now I'm just like, like I'm a radio host. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Bridget doesn't need one, I guess, but Liz looks great. <laughs> I know. No, just well, me. Mine, I don't think is that crappy, but Liz's sometimes I'm like, dude, <laughs> Yeah, mine's an Amazon. Uh, what is this called? Microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's it's the end of the day for me, dude. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm like. Do I have like Alzheimer's? Am I sundowning? You know, like do I? I can't remember anything. Uh, but I yeah. So Bridget told me I had to put it up to my mouth, and so now I have to talk like this all the time. <laughs> oh, but it's so cute. <laughs> I wish everybody could see it. Thanks. <laughs> oh, good times. Well, dude, thanks again. You're the best. And this is a very, I know it was a vulnerable topic and thanks for sharing with us. Drag yeah. folks. Thank That's you. Right. Hey, bye guys. Bye.